early on in the year, a few months ago, when I went to Tumeb to minister this word on breaking free from the spirit of poverty, we, on the first night day, we had the very same experience that we're having here this morning. Tough in the atmosphere, right? Um, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of took so long, you know, because um, I'm not... What's the word? Um, unsure is not the word. I am not um, unaware of what sharing this word means, right? And it's one of the reasons why I've always been second-guessing in sharing this word, okay? Because we are not only sharing a word, but we are also dealing with something that is in the spirit. Okay, so, so it uh, took me a while to get here to share this word, and, and it is the, and it, the resistance is in the atmosphere. It's not necessarily uh, you, but it is in the atmosphere. And I, being in Tumeb, I felt this same tenseness tight um, atmosphere where it was difficult and but as we went on sharing the word, sharing the word, sharing the word, eventually it opened up and it opened up and, um, and then we started to see God move and share and speak with people and things happen so from the beginning I want you, I want to tell you stick it out right um, you might feel, uh, maybe you, at some stage you might feel, hey, but this is, I don't know if this word is speaking to me. But as, as you know, as, as my spiritual father says, modus operandi is we bring line upon line, precept upon precept. And in the book of Isaiah, it says, the word of the Lord was here a little, there a little, line upon line. Right? Precept upon precept. So, this, if this series takes, if this message takes me, takes me ten sessions. Ten sessions is the word. Right? Ten sessions is the word. And it takes, and if you want to um, allow the word to, to do what it must do, then you must let the, then you must endure the ten sessions. In a sense, I don't know how long it's going to take. Um, you know, it always, it always ends up changing, right? So, um, yeah. So let's get into this word um, called breaking free from the spirit of poverty, right? Right. Um, there are. Over 459 million searches on poverty every 44 seconds. 459 million. Right? Searches on the word poverty every 44 seconds. Then there is almost 3 billion searches on the word poor every 41 seconds. Almost 3 billion. That's almost half 
of the population of the world. That's a lot in 41 seconds. So many people are searching on this word. So you can see the demand, the need, right? And so this word, I'm going to build it through, right? And build it through. And you will notice that my, my um, you will notice that all, all my teachings so far have been, you know, purely just come straight from the word. But this is a combination of the word and research done. Okay, it's a combination. I don't know why. That's just how the Lord did it with me, and uh, and that's and that's how I'm going to share it. But <clears throat> I'm not going to go into every detail of the things that I have, the research that I've done. I'll only take that which is relevant. Okay, so um, or which I feel is necessary to share, and I probably won't go into a lot of explanations of different things but um, this word poverty was birthed from a scripture in 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 9 let's go there 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 verses 9 how did I get onto this subject of poverty I was listening to Thamu um, I was listening to his message on biblical economics and as I was listening to his message, um, so many things were speaking to me. But when I came to this, when he started speaking on this verse or chapter, he, all of a sudden it just came to me, you know, that, hey, there are different types of poverty. And I started to just take my pen and the paper and I started to list things that came to me. And I wrote them down. <clears throat> but basically, it started from this um, this chapter and this verse, it says, yeah, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So you can see the word poor there and the word poverty. Just go back. The word poor and poverty... He experienced poverty. He became poor. That we through his poverty might become rich. Right? So there is a concept of, in the spirit of, you know, making yourself, um, in a sense, poor. That you might uh, access the riches of God's grace. Um, and you, as we go through this message, you will find that, the spirit of poverty works, works not only physically, it also works in your soul. It also impacts your spirit, right? And, and so this is why sometimes you may find that when people come to Christ, they, they come with nothing. They have physically, they don't have much. And then as they engage, as they are obedient... We have seen how they have physically moved forward. But as they move physically forward, then later on we see that there is a poverty that happens in the spirit or in the soul. The Bible says, may you prosper as your soul prospers. So there is prosperity physically, but there is prosperity that must happen also in your soul. 
So as you prosper physically, your soul must also prosper with you. Right? So, so we don't only prosper on the one side, we also prosper on another side within us. And what sometimes happens is, is that we prosper physically, but as we are prospering physically, there is a, a poverty that starts to take place within our inner man, within our soul, right? That affects us negatively while we are still moving forward financially, right? And God wants us to enjoy both sides of that world, the physical the spiritual, soulishly, he wants us to be rich, right? And so God also has riches. He has the riches of his grace, the riches of his glory. These things that have an impact upon us inwardly, but also then physically. So are you all, all with me? And as I read this scripture, and I came to the scripture, I, it, it just started flowing to me, it just started coming down. I couldn't write fast enough as my thoughts were just hitting me on the different um, types of poverty. And so obviously I, have, I wrote down my thoughts and I went down and I also did some research. So, I'm first going to give you a list of the different types of poverty. I will not explain all of them, right? And, and you will find a lot of the, uh, th- those which I have listed of they, do, they deal with the physical side. And then, and then we start moving into the, the soul and the spirit. Okay. I only, so I'm going to give you... I've got 13 here. And so, so these things you also find in the scripture. Right? I've got 13. Uh, if you do research, I think they mention... So far I think I've mentioned I think six or seven. I've added some of them um, as the... Lord has shared with me. So anyway, the first one I give you here is situational poverty. Okay? Situational poverty. That, and situational poverty is, is poverty that is your situation. It's not everybody's problem. Right? It's a problem that you face. And, many, and, and sometimes situational poverty happens because... Um, maybe you were in a car accident and something happened and, and you weren't able to do the work that you used to do and therefore you were unable, you lost your job and you ended up not being able to meet your basic needs. You ended up in poverty. COVID-19 uh, showed us also how many people lost jobs and businesses closed and they ended up struggling to meet their basic needs. Situational poverty is your situation, right? Um, Then you get absolute poverty. Like I said, I'm not going to describe, define everything because I I don't, I think that is for another platform. Um, Absolute poverty, then you get relative poverty, uh, which is quite interesting. Relative poverty is where you, is where your, where they decide the Average annual income in, for example, in Namibia in 2021, it was at that stage 72,991. That was the average income for the year of the people in Namibia, right? Which meant, if you broke that down, it meant the average income was basically 6,000 a month, 
in Namibia. But then the way they work out relative poverty is they, they then go and work out 60, 40 to 60 percent of the average income per month. And then they say that answer is relative poverty. And when you do that, the, the maths, it comes anything between, between what is it, 2,400 to, to 4,000, between four and 5,000. That is the uh, average income. And that is relative poverty, right? Then we also get generational poverty. That's easy to understand, right? Okay? Your family was poor and when you were born, you were born into that poverty, that circumstance, that situation. And it, and it continued on. Poverty continued in your life that you are still poor. Right, And so that is a generational poverty. It goes from one generation to the next. And obviously it can be individual. It can be within your, your residential area or wherever. Um, you know, squatter settlements and so on. Generational poverty. It just continues and continues. Then there is urban poverty. Okay? And there is rural poverty. You can see these are all physical, on the physical side that I mentioned. Uh, point number seven, poverty that is in squatter settlements, right? Where areas where people live and the conditions and so on is just not, is just not um, in a place where, where they are able to meet their basic needs in a sense. And they struggle, right? Then there is one that I call mental poverty. Okay, for a lack of finding a word, I termed it that. Mental poverty. Okay, because it is poverty, the, the way of poverty that has been installed into your mind and you think according to that way. And that's why I call it a mental poverty. Um, it is, so if you have generational poverty, you would be born into a family that is poor but there is a there is a culture here that we have there is a way of thinking that we have as poor people right and as poor people we think a certain way we behave a certain way we respond to things in a certain way but this culture that we have here it installs a way of thought thinking, patterns, and you behave according to that way. And so your deliverance that you need, you need to deliver your mind from that thing, right? If you want to be free. So that is, that's what I call mental poverty. Then there is poverty that is cultural, you know? So from one person that has entered into poverty... For, say, for example, you lost your work and you're unable to get another work and so now you're at home, now you start adapting to things, to your situation, but you start also developing a culture in your home, a way um, to adapt to the situation, right? And in that, in that, when you take that and then there's more 
two or three more families and, and it grows, what happens is a culture grows, right? A culture develops within a community of people where they behave in a certain way. Okay? Are you all with me? Right? So I call that cultural poverty. It becomes the habits of a group of people. Then there is poverty that is systemic, right? Systemic means, systemic means it's part of the system. That's what systemic means. So, um, so poverty has become systemic and so it becomes part of the whole system. So if you have an economic system, and I, I did quite a number of research on this, that you will find that in economics they have this where they teach that the basis of economics is the scarcity of resources. And so they teach you that there is a scarcity. There's not enough, and that's why we need to produce and so on. I don't agree with that. I know you find that in, I know you find that in, that's what they teach. That's what you'll get your, your degrees and whatever on. I know that. Um, so, but I don't agree with that statement. Because, because God has created an abundance. And there's an oversupply, Right? And when we, when we create, uh, and, and when it becomes, when we have that thinking that there's always not enough, think about COVID, think about, think about what you hear so often, that there's not enough. Um, that narrative, that story, that, that thought that you hear every time, it has, a, it has an effect upon the the, the soul of a person, the psyche, the way that he thinks, it, it controls his behavior. It puts him into fear mode, right? It puts him into survival mode. So it has a socioeconomic of effect, right? So as long as we keep telling that, we will create a people that are afraid for their well-being. And instead of behaving in faith, that there is enough and that God is able to make a way for us, that we are a people that can build our own future, then we are afraid. We are in survival mode and then we become greedy and, and we will, we will, right? Because I need to survive. I don't care about you. I need to survive, right? So this is when poverty, the, the thought, and the thinking of poverty means there's a lack, um, there's not enough. That storyline that we continuously hear in the newspapers or on, the, on, on news, NBC or wherever, or we constantly hear, is not good for us because it has an effect upon us inwardly. And you, as you have learned and as I've shared with you many times I say we do not live by by what we hear going around us we live by what God tells us and I'm telling you that God when he created the earth there is enough resources there is an abundant supply the Greek word for economy which is oikonomia which is the word they used when they taught on economics. Their view on economics was, and this is not a biblical teaching, or what I'm saying, I'm giving you, I'm giving you a little bit of history now, that 
when they taught on economics, their thinking was that there was an oversupply. We have turned it into a way of thinking that there is not enough. And as long as we think there is not enough, we won't see opportunities. Right? We won't see opportunities. And as long as we think there's not enough, then we, then we need to blame people. Then we need to speak, you know, this one is taking that away from me and there's not enough opportunities and things like that. Where, actually, where in actual fact, it is, it is not about opportunities that have been taken away from you. It's about you seeing opportunities. But poverty blinds you to those things, right? So, um, okay, my aim is not to go into that subject of poverty that is systemic. Um, then, they, then there is poverty that is demonic, right? It comes from a spirit, okay? And, and when, we, when it comes from a spirit, then again it is a way of thought, and then there's that one, and then there is sometimes it's witchcraft and all those type of things can come in. We'll talk about that just now. Um, then point number 12, then poverty where you are physically rich, but spiritually you are poor. That we find in the book of Revelations uh, chapter 3 where God says, because you say you are rich and you are in need of nothing. But you do not know that you are miserable, poor, and blind. Right? So physically you are well off. You don't need anything. But God says that physical abundance or riches has brought a poverty in, inside of you. That God says, I don't like that poverty. Because what it has done, it has made you, instead of being rich in my word, rich in the glory, rich in my grace, in these things that I consider as riches and wealth, then God says you are very poor in it. Right? And so sometimes the more we increase physically, the less interest we have in things like the word of God, in prayer, the less interest we develop in, for example, going to church, being part of a family, we, we lose that interest because our physical well-being that is there has, is having an, a negative effect upon our spiritual well-being. Okay? So that's, I haven't found a shorter version of that. Um, point number three, poverty is called, that is called poor in the spirit. Right? And this is, a, this is a poverty that God likes. Because what God wants is that when you are physically rich, and physically you are coming into abundance, that, that the physical wealth is not treasure to you. Because this is why God uses the word treasure. Right? He doesn't necessarily use the word riches. He says, where, where man's heart is, that's where his treasure is. He doesn't use the word riches. He uses the word treasure. So treasure, right? So you must have the riches, but it must not be your treasure. What you value, what you place high above everything else. 
And then he wants you to, to, to let go of the treasure. But still have it in your name. So you have the house name, you have the car name, you have the job name, you have, you have the money in the bank account, you have all these things. It's there, but he wants you to, in your heart, release it as that is no longer my treasure so that I become, in a sense, poor because I have no treasure so that I may have only one God who is my wealth. Whom I find. And when I have that kind of poverty, it makes room for grace. Right? It makes room for more of the grace of God. It makes room for more of the presence of God. It makes room for more of the word of God that I may be rich in his word. Right? And so this is what happens is that because money can do a lot of things for us. And money is the thing that Jesus said that Jesus said, this is the thing that competes with me. You cannot serve God and my mom. Either you love the one or you hate the other, right? And so, if you love it, then it becomes your treasure. It is not the money that is evil, it's the love of it. The treasure. This is why, and, and I know I mentioned money, but uh, it can be other things. For example, when God came to Abraham, He said, Abraham, offer your only son whom you love your treasure right he didn't ask for his wife he asked for the boy he asked for that son of his why because that son is where the inheritance goes to isaac is where the continuous of his name continues in the earth the purpose will be handed down the blessings will be handed down the promises will be handed down the covenant will be handed down what god started with him will be handed down to isaac this is legacy this is destiny this is future this is living when i'm dead i'm still living in my son this is my wealth this is where my riches is. This is my treasure. This is what I love. And God says, give me what you value. Offer it. Right? And in offering it, he became poor. Right? That he may position himself, that he may be rich in God. Are, are you with me? You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a poverty that God loves. God loves that poverty. He likes it. And he wants that. Right? He doesn't want the blessings that come into your life to be something that interferes with your relationship with Him. He always wants to be God to you and none else. You cannot serve God and mammon. Right? Are, you all, are you all with me? So poverty, you, what you must see is that the poverty that is negative, it has an effect upon you physically soulishly and spiritually are you all with me so it's not just a once overall in one-sided effect are you all with me okay so that is that is poverty right those are the 13 that i have found um i would have loved to get into some of those points above but you know the Sunday setting is not for that. I have actually now created a platform called Beautiful Gate Apostolic Table. This is, a, this is where I speak. This is where I'll speak. Uh, what the Lord put into my heart is resourcing the next generation of leaders. 
for a new mantle of leadership. And so here in this platform, I'll speak more in depth. Get more into the scripture. So this is this is where he, so here on a Sunday I try not to get too deep with you and all those things. So let's get a definition for poverty, just one or two definitions. Allow me just to get these things. I know you're waiting for scriptures and things. Okay. Um, let me just do these things. Poverty, the, the Hebrew definition for poverty right is to occupy to seize to rob right to expel to ruin to come to to be destroyed right and so and that's on uh, different uh, levels and so on so that is what poverty means the second definition for poverty is a deficiency right you are deficient you are lacking you are not in enough you are not sufficient right my grace is sufficient for you more than enough you have what you need right uh, it means just simply to be poor or to lack or to have need right speaks of not having enough for what you desire in your daily lives okay then um Poverty in the Greek, okay, is to, to be like a beggar. I, I like that one, to be like a beggar, because that is what poverty does to you. When you grow in an environment or in a community where poverty is cultural, right, or where you have come into a, a situation of poverty, right, where it's... It's my situation, not anybody else is ex- experiencing it. What happens is there is a, a, a beggarly mentality that creeps in, right? And one of the things that the Lord had to do with me, right, uh, many years ago, in, in learning how to trust Him and learning how to break through into more, was that in the past when we used to have conferences and we we didn't have our own building to use and we would have to you know go get higher conference room or something like that and then we would go to the hotel and say and then you'd when you walk in you walk in like this and it's expensive and so on and immediately you would you would be looking for the cheaper price and the so on and and uh, you would feel that neediness. And, and I began to hate, you know, because when, you, when, the, when the world sees the church and they experience the church and they want something, it's a, right? You are looking for a good price. And the, the mentality of the church, and I started to hate that. And then I started to say, no man, I'm finished with that. I'm coming, you tell me your price, I want, then I will pay your price, and then I will tell you what I want. Because if you give me a cheap price, then you push me around. Then I feel I am the one in need, and I can't really say, and then they give you the second-hand service, which I get irritated with. And so I said, no, I'm not finished with that. So I had to deliver my mind. My internal way of operating, that beggarly mentality, right? 
that, that kicks in. And so poverty, the Greek definition for poverty is to be beggarly. Right? Is to have that way of thinking that you always need and somebody always needs to help you and things like that. So you will find as we go into this teaching, what you need is not a handout. What you, what you need is not necessarily a good job. What you need is a different way of thinking. The main thing that prevents you from stepping out of poverty is the way that we think. That is the primary problem when it comes to poverty is the the mentality that we have developed, the behavioral patterns that we have developed, the habits, the the way we speak, you know. Um, uh, As Sean one day said when he said, I say, just eat the whole chicken. You know, not in in a glutton way, but because you like, this chicken must last. It's the beginning of the month, must last till the end of the month because where we are going to get more. You understand? The, the, the mind is dominated with lack. The mind is dominated with there's not enough for tomorrow. Right? And Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow takes care of itself. Right? So, to come out of poverty, you have to Change the way you think. You have to deal with your mind. You have to deal with your patterns of behavior, your habits, your way of speaking, right? You will find the difference between the poor and the, those who are rich and wealthy is that they think very different. You, the, the poor people will see what they cannot achieve and the, the rich guy will say, I can do it. The poor person say there is no way and the guy who has become rich say there is a way. Right? There is a different way of thinking. And, and, and that mentality, that poverty that is mental is a blind spot within you that you won't see opportunities. Right? Are you all with me? Are you all with me? It's a, it's a, it's, it's a way of changing our internal, uh, our minds have to be renovated, renovated, made new, fresh. The, the thought patterns that are on the inside. You know, a little later on I'll give you a list of, of things like where you can identify if poverty is at work with you, right, within you. And this is why, this is why when you have poverty that is that you have learned over the years, cultural, generational, in your community, when you have learned that way of poverty, even if you get a better job and you have more than what you previously had, you still, we still hear the voice of poverty in you. Because you have more than, you, you have more than what you used to have. Right? You used to only earn a thousand, and now you're sitting here with five, six thousand. You have more than what you used to have, yet we still hear there's not enough. We still hear, I don't know if I'm going to make it. That talk, you understand, which is, which is part, of, part of your system, your way of thinking. That's why the Bible says, may you prosper as your soul prospers. Your soul has to be enriched. It has to change the way that it thinks. Right? 
Are you all with me? That is, that is where you need to deal with the thing. You need to deal with the way you think. It is, it is one of the, the main major problems when it comes from, from my research. Besides that it's physical. Besides that the, where we find ourselves. But when you have a mind of faith, it is contrary to poverty. Because poverty will say, we won't get. But faith will say, but God will get it to us. Right? I know, this is why the Bible says, Jesus says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say unto the sycamore tree, be ye uprooted. You are planted in the ground. Be uprooted. And then he says, be ye planted, not thrown, planted into the sea. A different environment, different ground where the roots must stay, into the sea. And then he says, and yet nothing shall be impossible. So it's not where you find yourself, it's, it's how wherever you find yourself, how you develop faith. A new way of thinking that allows you to break out of your limitations. Right? Are you all with me? Okay, it is... It is a way that you think. Tell the person, it's the way that you're thinking. Tell them again. Okay, so it's beggarly, beggarly, beggarly way. And, and whenever you, you know, there's so many things how these one go into the other. Whenever you have a way of thinking, it is. It produces the emotions that you experience. Because emotions follow thoughts. So one of the meanings for poverty is to be depressed. Right? Uh, that word depressed can mean people that are depressed. But it can also give you that emotional experience. Right? Uh, I know from past experience... How not knowing if you're going to have enough money to, at the end of the month, how the eyes get heavy. You know, if you experience that, the, the, it gets heavy, it gets warm here somewhere <laughs> up top here. You know, because you feel that, that worry come over you. Right? That thing. You know, and what God did with me is he, he had to break that mentality, right? There had to be a, a certainty that there will be tomorrow. Okay? So, again, it is the way that we think. Um, another definition for, for poverty is to crouch, right? Is to, in other words, you're standing up like this and then you going down. It, it is to descend, Right? From where you are to lower place. It is to, is to be pressed and pushed down. Uh, poverty is, is this thing that kind of, kind of has this effect upon our lives. So you can see that this, this message on poverty is, very, is vast. Is, is going into many different places and... Coming here and having to give you this message, I have to think about what I want to say. And the primary area that I want to deal with is the way that we think. 
is the way that we think so that we can deal with the limitations that we have placed upon ourselves. Because I have noticed from the research that it is the primary problem. Okay? Um, I know, I know, you know, when you go into areas, communities where it's impoverished and it's just poverty all over, everybody is struggling, we may say it is the environment, and I will say yes, but I would say the Bible says the poor need the gospel. In other words, they don't need the money from you. They need more than the money. They need a different way of thinking. Jesus said the poor need the gospel. Right? He, he didn't say they need your money. Right? They might need your money at that moment in time. But in the long run, what they need more from you is they need a mindset. A way of thinking. And lo and behold, I have found that people, people who are struggling financially or poor or people who, have, um, who are in poverty, they do not love education. They hate information, knowledge. We don't want to learn, but we want things that must come to us. And this is why when God, when God spoke to Solomon, he said, what do you want? Solomon said, I want wisdom. He said, you will have silver and gold also. Why? God didn't say, I have to give it to you. Because, because you've asked for wisdom, it is the natural result that silver and gold will follow you. Because of the knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom. Right? Are you, are you with me? You, you have to hunger and thirst for knowledge. That's why the book of uh, Proverbs says, more than silver and gold, seek understanding. Seek knowledge. Ask for wisdom. Its revenue is worth more than silver and gold. In other words, what it brings back to you is worth more than silver and gold because it will not only impact you financially, it will also impact your whole life. Are you all with me? Right? And, and the, the struggle that we have is, is that we don't want to learn. We don't want to increase our understanding, our knowledge. But... The expectation for finances and certain things are there, but don't feed me understanding. You're wasting my time. Right? We, are, we might now be wasting your time, but in the long run, it's not a waste of time because right now you need something. Okay, fine. Right now you need something. But what you need more than my handout is that you need a different way of thinking. Right? So, in, in, in this message, we have to confront your thoughts. Okay? We have to confront your way of thinking, your behavior, your patterns, your habits. Are you all with me?
Okay? Tell the person next to you, Pastor can do it. Ask them, have you, are you opening your heart now? Okay. So where I'm going to build this thing out from first, is first I'm going to start with poverty that is demonic. Alright? And in this sense, I'm talking about, you know, where it comes from a spirit. Okay? So, let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Okay, and this is where I'm going to talk about principalities. And principalities are, sp- are spirits in the realm of the heavenlies. And I'm going to explain to you how they work. And, and so that you can understand the importance of your mind, right? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. So there's that word principalities. And obviously Paul is talking about spirits that are in the realm of the spirit. And that have set themselves up in a hierarchical way. Principalities, powers, right? Uh, demonic forces. They, they have... Um, they have set themselves up in the heavenlies. And they rule over territories okay so how does a principality work let's go to hebrews chapter 6 and verses 1 hebrews chapter 6 and verses 1 therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of christ okay the elementary principles let us go on unto perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. The Greek word for principles is the exact same Greek word for principality. And in this verse, he's talking about certain teachings. Right? And so the word, the, the definition for principality is, is the word beginning. Right? The definition for principality is beginning. Is also the, 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 the principle or the rule or commencement. In other words, the, the person or place from which something began. Right? So principle, rule, the principle that rules or the principality that rules through principles. So how does a spirit become a principality? It is by it is by everybody here taking the principle, the thoughts of that spirit and then making it part of your life and you walk according to that and by that you have established that spirit as the principality. The predominant thought Patterns that are within Wolfish Bay or in Namibia or in a certain place where that, wherever that predominant thought that is not from God but it rather than comes from a spirit, that thought that came from the spirit has established that spirit as a principality. Do you understand that? That's why prayer meetings don't deal with principalities. 
Because you need to renovate the mind of the people to be delivered from the way of that principality and under its rule. Are you all with me? So principality and principle are the same Greek word, right? And so in other words, principality operates by principles. This is why the Bible says, um, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. Let's just read that one. It's in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3. Let me read it so long. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, right? Verses 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they are not physical, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Next verse. Casting down what? Arguments. You might be arguing with what I'm saying in your mind right now. Saying, no, I don't really need a change of thought. Give me a good job. That has a good salary. That will solve all my problems. Right? But, it's, it's not just as simple as that. It's the way you think. So he said, casting down arguments. And every high thing... That does what? Exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So our strongholds are not physical things. Our strongholds are mindsets built into our mind. Right? And that's why the word of God must come and dismantle, break down the thought patterns, right? Pull down, cast down arguments, right? The reason you argue is because you already have a way of thinking. And so when you hear God's word, when you hear the scriptures, that way of thinking argues with what the word says, right? And now the word has to be given line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, explain until eventually that thought in you gets pulled down by the word. Last week I told you that in, in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus, the Bible says, and all of Asia heard the word. The next thing you hear is that, and the word grew, and the word prevailed, and the people brought all their books, and they departed. So in other words, it's not enough to hear the word. This word, if you want to break free, you don't mustn't hear it. This word must grow in you. The word groove. That word grow means it took stature in. Right? It, it, uh, you will find that that's one of, the, one of the keys of breaking out of poverty. Or of the way you have thought. Because the Bible says about Isaac, it says about Isaac that, that and the man grew great. Until he became very great and God increased him physically. But the word great is that word for when a child grows. So the first place that God increased Isaac was internally. And this is the area that we many times don't want to increase in. 
Because we are not hungry for knowledge. We are not hungry for understanding. We, we are hungry for our immediate needs to be met. Let's meet the needs, but let's break out inside, inside of us. Unless we increase here. So as the word increases, it starts to prevail over arguments. And when it prevails over arguments, that's when you start departing from your ways. You don't depart because you hear this message today. If you won't allow this word to grow in you, then it will never prevail over your, your current way of thinking. That's why, brothers and sisters, it's not a good idea to listen just to a lot of different messages. It helps you nothing. All you're doing is hearing, but you are not increasing. To increase, you must take something and listen to it over and over. When in the past, when we weren't in a place that we are now, I took a message and listened to it over and over. I listened to Sanjay for six years. Preached it for six years. So that I could focus on it. For, so that I can break out of a certain way of thinking. And if we, don't, if we don't understand, your biggest enemy is your mind. Tell that person next to you, your biggest enemy is your mindset. We want promotions, but we don't want to learn. We want these things, but we don't want to educate ourselves. You want your business to grow, but you don't want to educate yourself. You don't have much and you want more, but you don't want to educate yourself. You don't want to learn. You don't want to break out of your patterns of thinking. We, we don't want to do that. Because, because we, we are lazy when it comes to learning. Right? My wife's... Tomorrow I'm starting now my master's um, in leadership that I've, we've paid for and that I must now start. And looking at me, my wife says, Shoot, do you know what you got yourself? And I say, no, man, it's work. city. I like it because it keeps me busy and it educates and it opens my mind. Right? We, we, cannot, we cannot break out if we don't break our minds. Let's go to John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, In the beginning was the Greek word principality. In the principality was the word. 
in, in the beginning, in the commencement, the starting place, in the place where we begin, where we launch off from. Principality. That's why even Jesus is a principality. Because the Bible says he is the beginning and the end. That word beginning, principality. So, the question is, is Jesus your principality? Because the way he is your principality is if the word, if you are taking the principle of the principality. Right? So, what you, what you see, what I want you to see that is important for me here, right, is that when, when we want to break out of something that we are faced with and challenged with, we have to deal with thoughts that do not come from God. Give me Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. So this, this beginning principality brings us to a spiritual law that is called the law of first things. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. Just stay with me. Okay. Uh, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now the law of first things says this, that without the first, there will never be the rest. Let, let me say it again. Without the first, there will never be the rest. The, the, the law of first things is an eternal way. It is not a temporal way, natural way. It is an eternal principle that regardless of Old Testament or New Testament, it still exists because God still practices it. Right? And so, when he says he's the firstborn of all creation, he's saying, creation will never exist if I am not there. Firstborn. I am the substance that allows the rest to be. Without me, they cannot exist. He is the first, right? Verses 16. For by him all things were created. See, firstborn, first one to be there, the blueprint, the pattern, and then from him all things were created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And there was nothing that was made that was... It was made by him. The Word, who provided substance... The one who's the beginning, the word. He gave substance, material, to the rest. The rest cannot exist without the first. Right? And so, right, so if we see the predominant way of thinking that people have, then we know somebody provided us with that. A spirit provided us with this way of thinking. We've all adopted it, and now we've established that that spirit as a principality over the people that controls the behavior. And because of the people that have adopted the culture, it continues. The power of culture, the power of culture is that it reproduces after its kind. 
It just keeps making more. It just keeps making more poor people. If you come from that community, the only way you break out from that poor community is if in there, there comes something that breaks you on the inside. Something on the inside increases you so that you no longer live by what the culture tells you, but you live by the new thing that you are learning so that you break boundaries. You break limitations. You break arguments. You break... Because the narrative in a poor community... Those things are not... You understand? We don't have vision. We have daydreaming and wishing. We don't like planning and these type of things because... Because we have that... That thing is, is spoken here. And you have to break the mindset... And go against the stream. So that the culture doesn't produce in you another poor person. But so that you can break out of it. Are you all with me? The law of first things. First things. Principles. And then it says. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. They would not have been if the first did not exist. Right? Next one. So the first thing about the law, first things or, or principles is that that which is first always provides substance for the rest. Whenever you see the first, you can be guaranteed of the rest. That's the principle of first fruits. The first fruit in your hand is the guarantee of the rest. Because the harvest can never be without the first seed that is planted into the ground. You rob yourself of the harvest because you don't tap into the law of first things. Right? So, then he says, He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Wow. The first. Without you, there cannot be. Now imagine, the Bible says, the church is His firstborn son. He's saying, out of us must come substance that creates future. Right? He is before all things and in Him all things consist. Uh, Next one, verses 18. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the... You see, that's why the church could never start. Because the beginning didn't come. The one who must begin the church, start the church, who is the beginning of the church, had to come into the earth first so that he gives substance to the church that exists in the earth. So when I saw Jesus, I know there is a church coming along the way. He is the substance for the rest. He is the head of the church and the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, powerful, Oh, I wish I could talk about the resurrection. 
It's one of my most favorite subjects. That's why I created the other platform. So I can speak. Say some things I just can't speak here. The firstborn from the dead. You know what that means? That means he's the first, very first one that came from the ground up with a body that is totally glorified, transformed, different. There is no body like he. There's no one in the earth that had a body like his, the resurrected, glorified body. The firstborn from the dead. And the word for firstborn means pattern, right? Blueprint. That means, and all of us are being conformed to the firstborn, right? So in other words, he is saying, when you look at me in my resurrected, and when you begin to understand me in my resurrected body, you must know, I surely the church is going to look like me. He guarantees the harvest, right? The first is the one who comes ahead. And he says that in all things he might have the preeminence, right? The preeminence, so that is superior, right? Greater. That's that word preeminence. So principalities operate like this. They provide the principal way that people think so that it makes them, put them in a position of rank over the people and over territories so that so that they may be the one that rule. Are you all with me? Rule. Genesis chapter 1. What does it say? In the bee. God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. Right? And in that chapter, you read of everything that was first. The first cattle. The first grass. The first tree, without the first apple tree, there would never be more trees. Without the first lions, there would never be the other lions. Without the first hen, there would never be the rest. Where the first is, there is a guarantee that the harvest is on the way. Because the first provided substance for the rest. The first man, Adam was made a living soul, and we are like him, who are not in Christ, are like Adam, a living soul. So now the Bible says, now the Bible says we are firstborns. What does that mean? It means that we must operate in the law of first things. Right? The law of first things. Which means that we, you know, uh, Randolph had a, um, in, um, in his message, he said, uh, he gave a prophecy, he said, I see that there are people that are going to become principalities in giving. I thought principalities in giving. Amen. Who were die? Then I began to understand, when you tap into the law of first things, you understand, now poverty will not allow you. Because if you... If, if, you, if you have a, a mindset that is dominated by poverty and I put bread in your hand, you will probably just feed your family, but you will not think about distribution. Poverty prevents distribution, right? 
for a different purpose. And, but remember, if you never plant the first seed, you can never expect harvest. You cannot expect the rest to come if you don't practice the law of first things. Okay? So, a principality primarily, primarily operates by principle. Tell the person next to you, principle. So, what is the first thing that you need to do if you need to get free from poverty? Deal with the principle that did not come from God. That's why the Bible says, The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder between bone and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart of a man. When the word comes, it must expose your thinking. It must change the way you think. Right? For example, again, like I say, you want promotion but you don't want education. You want promotion, but you don't want to make yourself valuable. You want promotion, but we don't understand that God says, I promote you based upon work, not just simply grace. We need to deal with the mindset. Right? Now as I move on in this message, I will go into scriptures like, is poverty God's will? Right? The, the result of a relationship with God. Wherever people had a relationship with God, what happened? The Bible says they prospered. How can we have a relationship with God and we are not prospering? But the people in the Bible who had a relationship with God and were obedient to Him prospered. If we ask for wisdom, what must happen? You must increase. We must increase. So, brothers and sisters, what you need from me is not a prayer. Maybe you came for a prayer this morning. You don't need a prayer from me. You need to dismantle your way of thinking. Many years ago when, when I was struggling financially, it forced me to go read what the Bible has to say about money. And when I started to read it, I saw. I started to apply. And things started to change. But poverty will not allow you to practice it. 
Because it's a different way of thinking. I must survive. I am worried about tomorrow. But Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Can you see that? Can you see the different way of thinking? And, and this is what I want to leave today. I, I, I just want to give you an understanding of how principalities work. That's what I want to leave with you. To, to explain to you simply this one point. That I am saying that even though many have, have increased, I still say that there is still a residue of the thinking of poverty in us that prevents us from breaking through into new grounds. And if you, have, if you are in a place where you have lack, it's the thinking that's preventing you. Over and over, we've seen this over and over and over. It's not, it's not what you have physically that makes the difference. I have seen it over and over, almost 20 years in the Lord, over and over. It's when people open themselves up for knowledge. Things start to change. Do you seek for knowledge more than you seek money? Do you hunger for it more? The increase comes when this increases. That's where the change must take place. That's where the deliverance is needed. And my goal with this message is to, is to make you see the way you talk, the way you think, the way you're behaving, the way your habits are. You, like I did with Hagar, now I must say to you, my friend, those ways come from a spirit of poverty. And so you are not possessed by a demon. You are possessed by a way of thinking. So I hope that you are going to open yourself up. I know this first session is a bit tight. But it's fine. This is how we break. This is how we break. This is how we break open. Right? This is, how we, this is how you break open. This is how you shift things. This is how you shift minds. You hit the word. Hit the word. Hit the word. Hit the word. Let this word grow in you. Brothers and sisters. Please. Don't, don't accumulate knowledge. It's not going to help you. Focus. Upon the message. Let it grow in you. Hear it. Let it grow. And let it prevail. Watch. Watch what God does. I watch what He does.
Because we need to change our habits. Let's stand. Father, my prayer this morning is for open hearts and minds. My prayer this morning is that Holy Spirit, as I have searched the scriptures and found that poverty is not your will, physically, soulishly, and spiritually, you have a wealth that affects every area of our lives. Physically, bodily, financially, mentally, spiritually in every area. In our marriage, in our family, you are a God that maketh rich. And when we have a relationship with you, you are a God of no limitations. You say, with me nothing is impossible you say that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or even ask according to the power that works within us your mind is far beyond us you say in the book of Isaiah 55 my ways are not your ways and as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my thoughts and my ways higher than you I pray that we would open ourselves to your ways and your thoughts and your patterns. I pray that as we open ourselves, I pray that your word would grow inside of us. Like it says about Isaac, and the man grew until he became very great. Stature on the inside, Father. I pray for a hunger for knowledge, a hunger for understanding and wisdom, Father. I pray above all things that we would seek for wisdom. I pray, Father, that we would desire to educate ourselves, to make ourselves a people of substance, and that we'd be willing to walk in a certain way. I pray, break us out of our limitations Cast down every argument, Father. Break down, Father. Pull down every high thing that exalts itself against your knowledge. Take every thought captive, Father. By the preaching of your word, Father. And also by the breaking of bread of the saints. As we share this word, Father, may we help to meet each other's needs physically. But may we share the word that breaks us out, out of these things. So I, I, I thank you, Father, for this. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray, Father, we'll increase for those who have businesses. Increase us in wisdom and understanding. For us who are working for companies and schools and so on, I pray, Father, increase our value our knowledge and make us strong people that solve problems because we increase in wisdom I pray Lord make us a people of substance and stature so that we may shift into a different place
provide us with the understanding that is needed to break us out where we find ourselves all of us are here in different stages of our lives and we need to go to the next phase stage journey and i pray father give us the knowledge that will take us into a different place in our lives and allow us to move forward in you in the name of jesus christ and everybody say amen amen, amen.